There it is. I'm Charles Holmes from The Ringer Music Show. And I'm Cole Kushner from Dissect. And Charles and I are teaming up to create Last Song Standing, a new show where we determine an artist's single best song by debating our way through their entire catalog. And for our first season, we're covering Kendrick Lamar. We're talking Good Kid to Pimple Butterfly, Damn, Mr. Morale, the mixtapes, the Lucy's, and the features. Listen to Last Song Standing on the Dissect podcast feed only on Spotify. This episode is brought to you by Cars.com. When you add your car to your garage on cars.com, you'll unlock access to real-time insights into how much your car is worth. Plus, view its historical and projected value to decide when to sell. So when the time is right, you can secure an instant offer from a local dealership or sell it yourself on cars.com. Start tracking your car's value with your garage on cars.com. This episode is brought to you by Thomas's. Thomas's presents Pondering the Bagel with Tom. Oh, the paradox of the bagel. Tis crunchy yet soft. Tis filling yet has a hole. Tis a vehicle for spreads, but only travels from toaster to plate. Thomas's. Huzzah! A toast to breakfast. Let's talk about this, man. Every time I come here, you never offer me a drink, you know. It's like these tea and chocolates. Like, I am like Bugs Bunny or something, you know. Like, hey, like I'm a, I'm a real, I'm a, like, I need to, maybe I need to take these sunglasses off so you can understand. Like, I'm a real man. I need a real drink, you know. <laughs> like, deep stuff that, things that, that people like me would drink, you know. <laughs> I'm talking, this is Burner Boy on fucking, uh, what's Trevor Noah? Yeah, that's that's what it was. Burner Boy and Trevor Noah. <laughs> you pulled that out of nowhere. It was beautiful. Oh, can we leave that in? And I just pulled open it down. Listeners. <laughs> Listeners. This is sound only. I'm Justin Charity. And I'm Michael Peters. We're your sound-only co-hosts here to record our deepest, darkest thoughts about the millennial lifestyle. Subjects such as Nav, the old man, (laughs) the cat game, (laughs) Stray, Disco Elysium, Burn After Reading. You know what I'm saying? Um, The hot button topics. The hot button topics like Burn After Reading. (laughs) <laughs> uh wait. This is one of the episode. Oh, here's the thing, listeners, transparency, right? Okay. Is a couple things that could have happened. This is this is gonna be like a choose your own adventure type episode, right? Because like a couple things could have happened. One, we could be talking about rap shit, the Issa Ray show, which people have texted me about. People have, have been like, you should check it out. You should talk about it. I I didn't get to it. it one, because it's like Micah and I, well, first of all, Micah has some strong feelings about Insecure, which Micah can vent up top here. Uh, and I don't really, I like, think, it's not strong, it's not strong opinions about Insecure so much as I think that in the fullness of time, the community that formed around Insecure will be the, like, will be the object of, like, cultural curiosity or importance, not necessarily the show itself. Like, which I think which I thought was like just like kind of okay, 
like, and I don't like, and I'm less interested. I'm even less interested in a spinoff since I didn't make it like past the second season. You know what I'm saying? So that's what I'm saying about rap shit. That's all. You know, I remember years ago when I, um, I, I had no interest in Lost, right? The TV show, network TV show Lost. And I had a bunch of people in my old profession and we were at work and they were like, look, law, like you should watch Lost, but you should have the ideal experience of Lost, which is watch the first season and stop. Don't do what we did, which is watch it in real time. Keep up with the Just watch the first season and stop. And guess what I did, Micah? I watched the first season of Lost and I really liked that shit. And I stopped. I did what those people said. And I felt indeed like I had the ideal experience of that show. And I kind of accidentally had that with Insecure where like I watched the first season of Insecure and by the end of it, especially I was like, oh, this actually this is this kind of yeah, like, like the first hey, season. The first I season? liked the first like I liked the first I really liked the first season. Like I was there every week, the first season, the second season. Yeah. I was just kind of like, mm-hmm, nah. it's like, you know, it's just like, all right, black new girl season three. There's like, it's, it's, it's like, I don't really, it wasn't really doing anything amazing for me. Not that it necessarily needed to like the, I guess it's sort of like the excellence is maybe in the mundanity of it. Um, but like, I, I mean, again, like, yeah, like the first season that like in a vacuum, good. Like if it was just that. I might have had a different experience with the show. Oh. And and because because Insecure is not old ass show like Lost was like to me it was less about people t- like warning me off of it and more like I had a spidey sense. You know, I just I was like I also really like the first season, but I don't know if I should keep watching this. It's like I get a sense that this is going to get annoying. No, I did the I did the same thing um like uh you know, it was sort of absurd to this woman that I used to know that I had never seen Lost, like in, you know, like at my big old age. So I started watching the first season and the pilot is legitimately like has to be one of the best pilots of network television there ever has been, despite it being like, you know, like extremely 2004, whenever that show started, like it just yeah. it feels distinctly that time period in Reed Matthew Fox doing this like extremely emotive acting like um I, I mean like it's 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 very and the thing is that like but it's you're there and you're strapped in for the full first season and it's weird like that that show like having participated in it secondhand like it's kind of like the first show where people were trying to solve it like in like on yeah. message boards and like in the, and trying to really piece together, like uh, in the sense that, you know, like down, down the road, a decade, Nick Fizzolato can tell true detective fans that I gave you 85% of what you needed to solve the, the mystery in the first episode. And that's like a marketing tactic. Like, yeah, it starts with people watching Lost and trying to solve it because the show just goes off the rails. Like, and I didn't, I didn't get to experience any of that. I just watched a good season of television and like, she was like, so you don't want to watch, so you want to start season two? And I was like, nope. I'm good. I think I, I think I get it. I think I got the idea. 
Yes. But that's that's us explaining our experience with Insecure by way by tangent about Lost, all to come back and say, in re rap shit, new Issa Rae show. We we I you know, I can see there being cause for us to dedicate a whole episode to it and talk about it, but we'd really need to uh I'll I'll say this on Mike, right? Like it's sort of the, the to me the, I guess the most interesting reason to watch it would be as a kind of antidote to I think both of our disillusionment with Atlanta, uh, the the show Atlanta. Uh, maybe uh, could be yeah, a good I, like I mean that I like I feel like that's probably a bit of a stretch, and I mean like I think it's like I think we also got to be honest. Like about like what your viewing experience of the promo material has been thus far. Like, I mean, like you see the billboards, you see the trailers for it for it. Was it spicy enough for you to really for it to really be like, yo, I gotta I'm going home and I'm watching that? Like, yeah. you know, did it did okay. it really at this with the leaders being like, I'm going to think about how many underdog rags to riches or, you know, double shift to private jet rap stories like you've seen or heard in documentary or fictional form over the years. Think mm-hmm. about, like, the bar has got to clear for it to be something that you really are going to tap into. Did that trailer look like that? Yeah, man, but we got to... We, we might we might be able to push past that. I did, you know what it is? It's just that, like... I mean, like, I'm not like I mean yeah like it's it's just like but again like I get what you're I get what you're saying but like at us you got to be able to sell me on the idea of either the world that you're building around like this yeah. up and coming rapper or in like the gravitas of the lead character playing the up and coming rapper themselves didn't feel the either one really yeah. Again, Man, you from know, having you know, watched what a 40, 45 second trailer, but you know, like it's which is all you really get for besides that being like the the marquee thing on HBO Max. Listeners harass Mike, hey, harasses not har- don't harass us, don't harass us, but listeners email us maybe about it. Sound only pod. If you're feeling like, oh. rap shit and I am absolutely way off base, please yeah. like please email us and and let and let us know like that yeah. that it's something that we should check out. Cause I I'll probably check it out. Um, it's, I'm moving right now, but like I I'll probably check it out. Um, cause like I said, it's like black. I you know it's like one of those shows where I do think like Issa Rae, black actors like Issa Rae stuff can be kind of uh, sometimes, but she's she's doing a thing, and I really do want to sort of like, I you know what it is? It's like it's like premium prestige cable has really given us two choice of new black, and it's Donald or Issa. And you know, it's just it's a rock and a hard place, and that's it's not, you like, know? I mean, you know, I guess Phoebe, Phoebe Robinson. Mask. Like if is, you watch like yeah. this, <laughs> Phoebe Robinson, Terrence Mann. You're right. It's the other new blacks. Who are they? Jeremy O'Harris? <laughs> there, the, like, there's, there's, there's other, like, you know, prime time, like being front and center in your yeah. face on billboards all the way down center Avenue, all the way. like that's like yeah those are your but like you know it's it's the it's the iteration after 
insecure, like the first sort of like show in this constant, like this constellation of shows is probably going to branch off in the insecure universe. You know, there's going to be Rayland in like sort of like Shondaland, I think, eventually. Yes, um, yes, yeah. Yes. Which I like, I mean, which I think is like a more interesting thing to look at than like each thing individually. Like, cool exists, like, whatever, but I, like, just as something like, as like on a baseline of needing to enjoy what I'm watching. <laughs> yeah. Like, it just doesn't seem like something I'm going to be into. But again, uh, Again, like if this is like this is one of those situations where I'm, you're look, I'm looking at the cover of something and judging too harshly, and I'm you know wilding. Email once again, soundonlypod at gmail.com. Yeah, this, this is like the the peril of a podcast hosted by two haters, right? Right, where it's just like a hater, an absolute rule of the hater, right? <laughs> it's like sometimes we just don't feel like it, bro. Um, Okay, but like I said, I'm going to give it a fair shot. And maybe even if you don't watch it, I'll report back on that show. Because there, there's something there that it feels like people who, at least people who blow my phone up are sort of tapping into, and I'm curious what it is. But there's a lot going on we can talk about. You you, you fucking are plugged into the old man. And I first of all, last week we talked about how like, uh, it's the Jeff Bridges thing. And then I had to remember that like, oh, John Lithgow is the other dude in it. But then the only thing you actually had yeah. to tell me that I didn't realize until now is that also Ali Shawkat's in it. Like, come on, man, you could have sold Ali the Shabba, show to be yeah. better. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, like, okay, so, like, you know, the like that 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 sort of like uh, the thing that you were describing about, like, sometimes you just don't feel like you just don't feel like it. Like, that's like also the absolute the absolute rule of being a hater, which is why you can appreciate sometimes that like you know sometimes you don't want to make a movie or sometimes you don't want to make a tv show but you're under contract for like and that's why you have bad tv shows with amazing performances in them or you know etc 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 i'm not really sure which part of the old man is bad or good or why it works the way that it does but it is like an enthralling watch for at least six episodes. I wasn't really too sold on the finale. Like I texted you, it was kind of some bullshit, like some fade off to black nonsense. Although like, I, I guess like if I, if you were baking it, it would be kind of difficult to satisfy all of the plot lines that are coming together in the finale. There being only seven episodes. There's a second season coming. Um, but I mean, like, you'll probably, like, a, like one of the first auto-populated things when you search, you know, the old man finale is explained, you know? What the fuck happened there? Um, but the show kind of has this sort of... Have you seen, like, you, you know, I, I reference movies like this a lot, like Hell or High Water or... Um, Sicario or think of like any like mainstream Reagan or Bush era type of action thriller made by like a European director is what like the old man feels like there's like uh and actually like it's it's 
it's good that I reference like Hell or High Water, and that's because Jeff Bridges is like the lead and the old man, and it's very built around uh like his unpredictability like as an actor. Um and also like his physical presence, just because he's like big also. So coupling that thing is just like, you know, if you were watching the Big Lebowski, one of the like the thing that's so funny about it a lot of the time is like, aside from it rewarding you, you know, the closer and closer you watch it is also just Bridges like comedic timing. Like there's really no telling like how he's gonna respond to anything that's said to him <laughs> most of the time. But it, you know, like there's sort of this casual um sort of him being able to slip easily into and out of everything. Like he's the dude again, but like imagine the dude is a secret agent that has <laughs> like, you know, a lot of red on his ledger. Uh yeah. the, the old man kind of works that way. But it also kind of has this very artsy form of storytelling where it's um slightly hallucinogenic. Um, like there's, it'll be like him waking up in the middle of the night in cold sweats, one time going to the bathroom for water, one time to go splash his water on his face. The next time his dead wife is sitting in the bathroom, you know, having an episode. And that's the way that they tell the story of like, you know, their dude romance, the child they had together, this, um, globe spanning story of political intrigue and but really mainly just about like star cross lovers and also um how well you can get to or how well you need to know somebody mm -hmm. um i think that it's really like a lot of the conversations happen around like how much do you like the show builds tension on its shifting identities. Like the stuff that like Jeff Bridges has to keep straight, stuff that Ali Shockwood has to keep straight. Um, the stuff that John Lithgow has to tell his superiors or subordinates to keep like, you know, the story spinning forward. Um, and I know I sound like kind of crazy going all over the place with this, but like the storyline jumps a lot in, in, in the old man. Like, so you begin with, Jeff Bridges as the old man and you flash back to the story about him as a young man helping a warlord in Afghanistan um, topple, I mean like basically gain power over a region with, you know, CIA funding. But it's also about him ingratiating himself to this family and him becoming very friendly with the wife and that, you know, becoming like a love triangle and that being the real, like, it's just a lot of things that like Wait, unravel. How, and how does that work with the by. actors? How does that work? That, tell me so, they CGI my man, Jeff Bridges, to look. No, 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 no. They actually okay. have, <laughs> like, Jeff Bridges is Dan Chase. Dan Chase uh, is a widower. He was married to Marsha from Succession. <laughs> um, and she was the wife of the of the Afghan warlord. 
young Dan Chase is Bill Heck, who, I mean, you know how like jarring it is when you go from present day to past and they have like either an actor that doesn't look that doesn't share the right, like, you know, earlobe length right. or <laughs> cheekbone height or whatever the fuck it is that just makes the makes it very it, uncanny valley. Or they have, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Or they have CGI or it's CGI. Or like in Midnight Mass, they have like, you know, characters under shit tons of latex to say, hey, this is 15 years in the future. Mm-hmm. Or this is or like, you know, 10 years in the Bing has passed. Like there's actually a belie- there's believable stand-ins for until you get to like old Faraz Hamzad who like is just kind of like damn they did but because young Faraz Hamzad is like you know this cool debonair like s- like slick like hot Afghan warlord and then he's old and shriveled and you know like it it looks like he smells like cat piss like. It like at the at, in the in the end, and mm. I don't know why they did him like that because everybody else gets to be hot in their old age. Anyway, <laughs> the young Dan Chase is played by Bill Heck, who can also speak Arabic, and it works. And I mean, like, I don't really, I don't know how to speak Arabic, and I'm not, you I don't know, know how Arabic, it's supposed right. to sound. I don't know anything about that, but it's like you know, it's to a person that doesn't, it doesn't like break, you know. It doesn't tip your suspension of disbelief, I guess. Um, yeah. Um, but again, I gotta tell you, I gotta warn you. If you haven't started this, you're gonna be a little, you're gonna be disappointed somewhat by the finale. Like I was just kind of like, "Where's the rest of it at?" Yeah, you, you know? just seem like, you <laughs> seem super you seem super scorned when you texted me about that finale, and I was like, "Well, now I'm never gonna watch this." You were like, "It's ass. Uh, yeah." I you, mean. You didn't say it was ass. Aggressively three out of five finale from from your boys. That's your guardian um, score. Who who adapted like yeah, the 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 Thomas Perry novel. Okay. This is this is it's just it's just I the finale is. But like things like the show is able to make like very to take like very mundane things about like suburban life in you know the breadbasket and then turn them into you know again like spy thriller like there's a scene where he you know parked he has he's getting followed by a you know like there's a guy in a chair and a situation team and a room with a bunch of screens and they're like tracking him and a woman that he you know, coerced into coming along on this mission. And he's just like, you know, they're sweating and she's asking too many questions and he's driving the car and there's a drone following them overhead. And he drives under a canopy of trees, you know, in this neighborhood full of uh, single family homes with white picket fences, you know, where there's like, you know, street cleaning signs, whips the car to the side of the road, finds a hole in the trees, goes to the trunk and pulls out a sniper rifle. And then they use that to, to go into a flashback about how well he was trained as a sniper. And this is how they like explain Jeff Bridges capability of like doing different things. Like as his, his ability mm-hmm. to snipe his ability in hand to hand combat is all explained 
through flashback because you watching it wouldn't believe somebody who, you know, is getting, is ambling around like he does, can do like he does. Um, and to that point, I was talking about this uh, with a friend of mine, Nate Scott, when we went to, he works at USA Today. We went to dinner recently and he wrote this piece about uh, the first season of Daredevil where they had the hallway fight. And it's like at the very end where he tosses one of the henchmen through the door and like he like heaves himself up off the ground, takes the knife out of his back, goes to get the kidnapped kid. And they go like the, he, I remember he wrote something about being like, uh, like a scene in The Fugitive where uh, Harrison Ford stops at hour 36 of his runaway to eat a sandwich, like in the middle of shaving. And he's just like, oh yeah, you would be fucking hungry if you fought off like 36 henchmen you would be tired you know like you feel like jeff bridges having 56 years of doing wet work for the u.s government on his soul and on his knees in every fight scene and in every scene where he has to shoot something or figure something out or you know bend another person to his will like it weighs on him and it plays across his face in a really interesting way. Like it's worth watching even if the finale sucks a little bit. Okay. Wait, for no, the way that those things come together. I not to get us on another tangent, but you brought up now that you brought up Daredevil. Dog, we get new Daredevil. I'm sorry. I just We are getting new, we, Daredevil, we are getting new Daredevil for Daredevil. real. I like yeah, I'm glad that we're getting more Vincent Donfrio. It's like I know that you probably didn't watch No Way Home, but like, you know, when... I haven't uh, watched it yet, though. Yeah, when, when Matt Murdock shows up, it's like, it's very like, oh, that's... Hey, that's my buddy. You know, he's just like... He's, <laughs> he catches a brick coming. He's just like, I'm a very good lawyer. I'm excited for a new Daredevil, man. Dog, oh, dog! Even, I, even though... <laughs> I'm so even though I wasn't like that, I wasn't like you know the season. Even though the second season wasn't like my favorite thing yeah, ever, it's not, like it's, like, it's yeah. just like I, the two of them together. As long as you know that that's your that's just it's a recipe for success. Don't put too much noise in there. Don't try to bring somebody. Don't make this a we're bringing this other person along for the ride. We're trying to make another star that can you know, put more longevity into the franchise. You have it. It's right there. Those it's two right guys, there, cat and mouse. Yes. And also, like, oh, the thing that burns me up about the way that all those shows went out on Netflix, right? It's like, specifically Daredevil and Jessica Jones, like, look, they both, both of those shows each only had one bad season. And the, their bad seasons were really bad. Uh, and they were both the second season, I think, for both of those shows. But the best seasons of those shows are better than any of the other shit that I've bothered to look at coming out of the MCU or whatever. Like, fuck that. Like, the best of Daredevil was like 10 times better than anything about WandaVision. Get the fuck out of here. Like, yes, bring back Daredevil. D'Onofrio better season be Season one, da Daredevil season one, episode five, nigga, when he slammed this henchman's head in a in the door of the Tahoe. That was raw than eight. Like, it was just like, okay. Like, it was, like, this is, it was, come on. Don't talk to me about WandaVision, man. Don't talk to me about. Oh, <laughs> uh, and even in the, of the season with fucking um, Bullseye. The, sounds hard. 
really hard. Like that <laughs> dude, yo, and they deem like, come on, bro. Like we he's beating his chest. You're like, kill me. <laughs> <It's>, <laughs> there's no like. It's just come on. Oh, man. They shooting up the church. I'm ready like, for more Daredevil. Come on, bro. More Daredevil. Wait, but also just to close out on the old man real quick. Here's the thing. Here's the. I'm gonna tell you right now. The bar for me, Mike. I have two. You text me about one of these things. I have two things. CIA is a is a rich text, right? Central Intelligence Agency. Okay. I have two. The, yeah. the bar, the bar for my sort of engagement with the CIA is two things. One, Legacy of Ashes, the, the nonfiction book about just the history of the CIA by Tim Weiner, uh, makes the CIA look like some fools. Okay. But in terms of entertainment, burn after reading, that's the bar. Like that's, you know what I mean? Like that's my bar for like, that's yeah. my sort of the platonic form of the CIA drama is. See, it's more, reading. it's more. We've it's, talked about it on the pod before, but fucking burn place. after reading, bro. Yeah. I, like, yeah. okay. Like burn after reading is like, a, is just kind of like a farce illustrating like, the hilarious bureaucracy of like you know and the of american intelligence agencies like the old man is more like a workplace drama that also has like a love story attached there's like you know it's more born yeah. than it is than it yeah. is burn after reading yeah does it have um, that yeah that melancholy that born has that like yeah yeah do. yeah you know like yeah, that shit yeah I mean, like that one of the opening scenes is is Jeff Bridges in khakis and a Shetland wool half zip and a dad hat throwing a ball for his two Rottweilers on his plot of land at sunset. Like, come on. That's like it's it's extreme yeah. dad shit. Yeah. Yeah. Um Okay, bet. Okay, bet. I just here's the thing. Much in the spirit of this episode where we I feel like the only reason it's hard for me to get an old man is because there's a lot of shit happening in the world right now, entertainment-wise. Right. And the second half of this episode, we're going to take a break real quick, but, like, I haven't even gotten around to playing the cat game. The infamous cat game. The cat game that has taken over the oh. internet. Mike has played the cat game. Mike is going to talk about the cat game. I'm not going to get around to the you cat game You haven't played the cat I game? Move. I haven't played the Damn. cat game. Stray. Yeah. We're going to talk about Stray after the break. This episode is brought to you by Jiffy Lube. Cars can be a big investment, so it's important to take care of them. I once got a car that I started out with 25,000 miles on. I got it to over 200,000 miles because I took care of it. You know how you take care of a car? You take care of the maintenance, the oil, the brakes. All that stuff. And if you don't, you can have a car just completely fall apart. When your car needs maintenance, head to Jiffy Lube. They provide automotive excellence at speed. Get your oil changed, brakes checked, tons of other multi-care services. It's all done by expertly trained technicians who actually care about taking care of you and your car. Jiffy Lube. Car more. To find coupons and start an instant online estimate, visit JiffyLube.com. This episode is brought to you by State Farm. 
You might say all kinds of stuff when things go wrong, but these are the words you really need to remember. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. They've got options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, file a claim right on the State Farm mobile app, and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Here's the thing. This is, this is like one of them things where... I didn't have this cat game, Stray. The game is called Stray. You'll see game critics, the internet, whatever, is obsessed with this game. I had this game in my Steam wish list for months, right? And my dumbass, this is how not plugged into the video game journalist culture I am. I'm sitting here thinking like, oh, this game looks cool. Like, this is like, it's, some, it's just some indie thing. I, I, it took me a while to clock that it was like an Annapurna interactive thing. Which, if you know anything about Annapurna, it's like all those sort of big prestige. They had the other game with fucking Willem Dafoe in it. Um, Stray, right? Cat game. I did not think the cat game. You play as a cat. Cyberpunk cat game. It's just all the fucking marketing for this game is adorable. It's just fucking tabby cat. What kind of cat is it? You have a cat. I don't. I've never had a cat. I don't know what kind of cat. It's Please an orange tabby cat. cat. It's an orange tabby cat. It's like it's yes. it's it's an orange tabby cat. Uh, his 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 name his name is Wiggles. That's not his real name. That that's just you know like what I'm calling him. That that but like it's like there's it it is a very cute game and it's just like I mean it literally begins with you like waking up with your three or four other cat bros on you know sundry cardboard pallets. In an area that sort of looks like, you know, Chernobyl present day, you know, like overgrowth on like industrial land, like, you know, just it just, it just looks like there's a lot of iron culverts and pipes and whatnot to, you know, jump around on. So you go and you're like on your first little journey following, you know, your three or four cat bros through the tunnels and... You know, you come to this one broken sewage pipe that you have to jump across. It's like a normal jump. It's a normal gap. <clears throat> one person, one goes across, the second one goes across, the third one goes across, no problem. Then you jump and you miss. Cutscene and like you fall down, 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 down into this hole. And with a thud, you land in a new reality where you then, you know, like you got to find your way back and you've been separated from all your cat friends. This is the first emotional gut punch because it's just like, no, not, not <laughs> like, you know, like, what's the... <laughs> but um, then like you find your way into this encampment of robots, but you have to pass like these uh polyp looking things running around on three legs somewhere in between an insect and like you know 
this organic material that looks like a virus, but it also looks like an amoeba, but it also looks like a slug, but it also looks like a pimple, but they jump and they pop and they run and they follow you around. It's like basically like any, the, any like celiac type thing in a vor level in any video game you can think of mm. that you know like if you come across like something bulbous and pulsating in a wet area of a game that's also dark and then it pops and then like you have things on three legs running after you i mean like these these zerks are what they're called look like that um so you run past them like there's not really any fighting in the game until and it's not there's not really any combat in the game to speak of like you get a weapon that eventually allows you to vaporize them but really a lot of it is just running and maneuvering and jumping over stuff to either corral them into places where they can't get you or until they like you know explode uh and you can run past them or whatever but you make your way into this robot encampment that's sort of like, you know, last uh, living things on Earth. And it's like a bunch of people that are kind of scared at you at first. But you realize that none of these people have ever been outside, which is this myth- mythical place that all the robot people are trying to get to. Um, and really, it's just kind of like a MacGuffin chase leading you there, leading you back to the place that you came. In the first, the, the, leading you back to the place that you came from in the first place, which is outside. So far, that's what the story is. Mm-hmm. It's just like you, you make it sound very emotionally. Like, here's the thing we say cat game, right? And you describe sort of the early bits of it, and it's like, oh, this is an adorable game. All the marketing for it that grabbed me in the first place, though, is that it's sort of pitched as like, like the Steam tags are like cat and cyberpunk, right? And it act, it like all the marketing for the game sort of, it, it feels like it's designed to engender the thought, man, why couldn't cyberpunk 2077 just have been this small scale game about a cat instead? <laughs> you know what I mean? But like, where does that, where does the cyberpunk, can you flesh that out for me? Because all I've focused on is the cat. And the only thing that makes it look so, cyberpunk is that I it mean, looks like Hong Kong a little bit. It's sort of like the, the environment looks very it's like, like it's, Blade it's Runner Asian. It's cyberpunk in that it's like, it's a, it is, it's, it's, it's cyberpunk in that it's an environment filled with, you know, robots trying to eke out some form of, uh, some system of living at the end of the earth. Like it's very like, you know, we have like a laundromat and a bar and one guy that fixes our tech stuff that lives in a, in a loft, like on one part of town, there's a part of town that's kind of close to the outside area. So we never go there. Like, you know, there's, uh, like, you know, the the drinks are you know made in oil cans that sort of it, like it's just very and the small scale like cyberpunkness of it is really just like the the ledge jumping or the plat I mean like the platforming or the you know the loot farming is just kind of like you picking up um things that survived whatever this this nefarious force that you know forced that wiped out that totally eradicated humanity and pushed all of ai to this corner of the earth 
um, like, you know, energy drink cans or the few MIDI songs that survived on USB stick, like sheet music that survived or, um, you know, all of the, like the, like the defluxer thing that you eventually have to build, which is what destroys Zerks using UV light is like a flashlight with like a battery that looks pulled out of the back of like a, you know, Buzz Lightyear toy taped on there with literal duct tape. Um, like the things, the activities that you can do as a cat are, you know, scratch at doors, scratch on rugs, carry things from one place to another, explore like, you know, the city via jumping ledge to ledge, find, you know, robots legs to rub up on things to barter um you could just sit like on stools and watch people do stuff it's like you know how much enjoyment do you get out of watching the cat be cute so far because i mean there are passages of the game where you where i mean like it's basically just puzzling there's you know like how do you corral these zerks from this place into this place so that i can move this oil barrel under this AC vent so I can jump to that piece of rebar over there is like, you know, the kind of stuff that you have to work through. Um, There's like, it's really just like a lot of difficulty of the game is in figuring it out because there's, I guess, hints that come up on like, you know, your PlayStation network, like on your actual notifications but there's not like a lot of instruction within the game, save for um, the little compass robot companion you get called B12, who you can occasionally ask like, hey, what is it that I'm supposed to be doing again? Uh, He's like, it stores all the items for you, like, you know, remembers the tasks, but that's it. It's not like there's a map you could open. and the rest of it is just wandering around and seeing the way that the Zerk threat evolves as you venture out into the world. Like at this stage, I've gotten past just the hordes of Zerks to having like the time Zerked bombs, which are like, you know, those pulsing pimple things that I was talking about. Like the closer you get to them, or the faster you move around them the faster they pulsate until they explode and then you have a bunch of those things running after you. Um, Which, you know, eventually creates issues because the weapon that you have, the the defluxer, which again is like that UV ray, can overheat if you use it too long or too fast. It's kind of like the same principle as like a machine gun in any game. Um, Like it jams if you like just mash the... um, but like, you know, at this stage of the game, I've made it to there being like these giant eyes on like the walls that kind of like if they if you walk too close to them or it's the same if you walk too fast or draw their eye, their rapid eye movement, then they will send a lot of those Zerk things barreling out of this giant pipe, to- this giant sewage pipe towards you. So you got to find a way to pass that area quietly. Uh, and I haven't figured that out yet, but that's like a lot of that's 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 just most of the game is just like because you can really only look to your left and to your right and move forward backwards and sprint and jump. That's it. 
Is there's it, not really a whole lot to figure out except for how to pass this area. Yeah. You know? is, is it like worth the hype, you think, of like what it, it it's gotten like this very specific reception, I feel like so far. Um like I'm hyped to play it. It's really like it's I think that it's I mean, it's a cool idea, but like it's not like blowing me out of the like it doesn't feel like, you know, an eight out of ten game or whatever it has on Metacritic currently to me. Like it's just like, you know, it's cool. Like it's a thing to do, but at the same time it feel like I th- I'm pretty sure like I'm seventy five percent of the way through it and like mm-hmm. it's not like it's really you know. It's re- I, I feel like it gets a huge points bump for being cute. Because there's yeah. like, for instance, you can take sheet music to like this busker that is like right next to the town gate before you go into like the actual dangerous area. You can bring sheets of music back to him and he'll play them for you right on the spot. And he's got this, uh, he's got a couple of pillows like arranged right next to him and you can press triangle to nap on the pillows and your controller purrs as you nap while he plays the song. Like, that's the level of cuteness you're dealing with. Okay. Oh, that's... that's mm, mm, That might be 8 out of 10. I don't know. Um, <laughs> no, I, I feel that. I feel that. Um, I, I'm still going to give it a shot. Here's the thing. I got distracted. Because, I again, I, I thought I was going to play it before you played it. We got totally, like, topsy-turvied on it. Because I... I finally got around to playing a game that I bought like a while ago when it first came out. Disco Elysium. Have you heard of Disco Elysium? I've heard of Disco Elysium and I've watched a few videos about Disco Elysium. I have not played Disco Elysium. Okay. Uh, Short story. Murder mystery. Uh, It's a murder mystery in a town. It's a fictionalized town in a fictionalized world. And basically, it's a murder mystery that's happening at the heart of, like, a worker strike in this town. And it's, so it's, like, a murder mystery that is also has a bunch of, like, local political connotations to it and risks spilling spilling over into this, like, communist versus fascist versus corporatist, like, conflagration in this poorly governed working class, you know, dock town, right? Um, and you're, you're playing a cop and while the main sort of the main mystery of the game is, okay, this, there's this, there's this, uh, corpse hanging from a tree. We need to figure out who killed him, how he died. We need to figure out all that shit. The secondary mystery is that your character, uh, is like a grotesque fuck up. He looks ugly. He's just like a, he's a drunk. He looks like super fucked up. He acts super fucked up. And he he basically has amnesia. Fuck this he doesn't guy. <laughs> fuck this guy. He doesn't he doesn't remember his name. He doesn't remember that he's a cop. He's just like he has he has nothing but instincts and voices in his head to go on. He get you know, your partner for this case shows up to the to the scene. He's a partner from a different precinct, so he doesn't really know you. And he's this straight-laced, you know, he's a straight-laced, younger, sort of by the book guy who just wants to get in, get this case solved, get out. Kim Kitsuragi, right? Meanwhile, you don't even remember your name and you reek of alcohol and drugs. And that's the secondary mystery, right? It's like you're trying to sort of piece together the clues of like, 
oh shit, where even is my badge, right? Like the way I'd put it is like your character in Disco Elysium makes Mel Gibson look like Danny Glover. Like, you know what I mean? Like that's how... <laughs> is the, like, okay, so what is the, what is the, what is the gameplay like though? Because I recently, yeah. like I also like was trying to play Lost Judgment, but like mm-hmm. was having such difficulty like sticking with it because like the passages of story or cutscenes or like, you know, press X to advance dialogue are so long yeah. that by the time like combat pops up, you can't be in the rhythm of it. And there's like the combat is good. Like and it just kind of like the it was ruining it for me. Like, um what is it like what's the play what's the yeah. gameplay like of Disco Elysium like? So that like what's the good rhythm? That you brought that up. So there isn't really like it it's a very Chekhov's gun kind of game, right? There is combat, but it's very specifically, uh, it, there's a main part of the game where combat is relevant. Um, but it plays kind of like old school CRPG. Like, I don't know if you've ever played Planescape Torment or like the, the first, like the old Fallout games, like before Fallout became sort of generic open world game when it was like isometric PC computer game shit like that. That's how you just just like very strange lorem ipsum dot like, you know, I'm only going to say this once. Give me the naughty nightwear type stuff. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's the thing. It's like Disco Elysium smoother. Like the movement is smooth, right? It's not isometric, but um, it's really it's a lot of walking around and you have you basically interview people, right? Like that's part of the case. There's environmental. You're sort of examining the corpse. You're examining the environment, and it's you know what it is. It's like not as <clears throat> typically this style of game, right? Would feel, uh, I guess, like text heavy is the great people tend to have with this style of RPG. I think the way that Disco Elysium manages it really well is one. With the most recent sort of update of the game, it has like full voice acting, right? So everything is acted out. Um, and two, mm. like the conceit I was saying about you being a detective who's kind of adult and has voices in his head is actually kind of integral to the gameplay, right? Because the gameplay works by um, you having different stats and different skill sets that you unlock and level up. And sort of those those skills emphasize different things like perception your perceptiveness about the environment your perceptiveness about detail at uh, about something on the crime scene or stuff like rhetoric right like your ability to sort of survive an argument or sort of like escalate an argument with someone right and these are things that all in their very passive sort of dialogue based ways really change the flow of how you experience the crime scene and experience this town and navigate all of the socio-political dynamics. Um, mm-hmm. And it's also that this world, it's not, it's not like it's like, oh, we're in New Jersey, right? It's like this super, super well-sketched-out fictional world that's like French, Belgian, Polynesian, uh, and... Huh. and the races are all super fictionalized, but otherwise are clearly meant to map on onto you know. Do they have like it's just like races are all fictionalized? It's like racial and the ideologies are, are fictionalized, but they have right. But they have very real conflicts within, with like yeah. with each other within the world that you're exploring. 
Like it's that it's that kind of right. game. And it gets super okay. vulgar and it gets super it, it feels real, right? Like it's and it's the same with the ideologies, right? Like co- communism and fascism are ideologies, but like they're super like communism has an entirely different history and fascism has an entirely and nationalism is as an entirely different history in this universe. And I think, yeah, it's sort of, it, I think with a lot of games, what's maybe off putting to people about RPGs is, is, you know, old school, like role playing game RPGs, not the modern definition of RPGs is like, what is it? You just talk to people for a whole game and there's like the combat's bad. It's like, no, it really is a game where it's like the dialogue feels like it matters a lot because the world is just so bizarre and your character is so bizarre that the game really sells you on the idea of wanting to just understand what the fuck is even happening and why why this cop you're playing is so dispossessed. Um, and it's also, I think the clever thing is you have all of these skills that you can learn that make you a better cop even while you're trying to figure out how you even became a cop. And the clever twist on it is like, you know, in a lot of games, they'll give you a skill tree, right? Or they'll give you like, learn this ability, level up this ability. And then after a point, if you just keep doing that, you're just going to become powerful, right? You're going to become generically powerful, uh, jack of all trades, then a king of all trades. And then you just beat the game and you spank everything in the game. And Disco Elysium kind of turns that on its head because like, the whole problem is that your head is filled with voices. So actually, when you start leveling up too much stuff too high, all of the voices in your head start talking over each other and it actually becomes kind of counterproductive because you have like dueling instincts and dueling skills that are kind of giving you conflicting feedback and leading you in conflicting directions and starting to muddle your thinking about the investigation. And that shit is clever, bro. It's clever. It is. That is fun. That um, is fun. But yeah, all the other stuff, like, the rest of it is RNG. It's like dice rolls, skill checks, you know, dice rolls based on, with probability based on like, well, what skill, like, you know, does this line that you're going to use on a suspect work? Well, it depends on how high you've leveled X, Y, and Z. Um, it's very mathy. You know, it's like one of those games where it's just like very mathy in terms of the actual gameplay, but it's, it's, all of that like randomness is obscured away so well because the game is just that well written and that well sort of textured and characterized. And it's, it's a murder mystery. I do think that it's, it's the one thing I would say without spoiling anything at all to you or to people who haven't played the game is like, you really should sort of come to it in the mindset of like, reading literary fiction as opposed to approaching it as airport noir, I guess. Um, just because it does, mm. like, it almost in a lot of ways is really working very diligently against so, well, the well, tropes. And the way that you... So, like, basically, when you're saying, like, uh, you know, you're looking, instead of, like, airport noir, so not looking for a simpler linear linear whodunit story yeah, where yeah. at the end like you know the like this 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 errant behavior by this detective is resolved and so is the mystery it's more like you know there is a map on the first page of this book yeah yeah type of story <laughs> yeah okay. well no not the map no, I wouldn't go that far I, I guess I would just say that like 
uh, this is one. I think this is one case where the marketing for the game for a game is actually useful because, like, the tagline for the game is mm-hmm. "What kind of cop are you?" And that's really the game is about that. The game is not about who killed the guy in the tree. Like, it is that, and that part is engrossing. But I it, instead, I would always keep in mind that the 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 question at the onset of the game is not who killed the guy in the tree. It's actually what kind of cop are you? Um, and I think it's much better at answering that second question. Let's put it like that. Um, yeah, man, really fucking good okay. game. The thing is, like, all that stuff I described, like, when I first, I remember when I first bought it and was reading about it, I, just, I was worried that, especially the opening dialogue is very, very, like, uh, it, it's just very literary, very capital L literary in the beginning. And I was just sort of like, oh, this thing might be a little too pretentious. And also the ideological stuff. I was like, this might, this is maybe a little too dirtbag left, like online pretentious for my liking. But nah, man, like you actually sit down and play that shit. And that game, and it, it's like, it strikes this really nice balance between um, really trying to defy every last trope of detective fiction, but not doing it in a in a desperate, inelegant way. Um, it just has a lot of it zigs and it zigs not doing it in a way that have. like okay, it's not corny and okay. it's not over the. T- it's like it's good at wrong footing and and like it's weird because it feels like it circles back to being totally um in the spirit of that kind of detective fiction because it it's its instinct is always to kind of wrong foot you and to really exploit mm-hmm. the kind of assumptions you're generally going to make coming to any kind of detective fiction. Um, but yeah, it does it in this way that it's not... It, I don't know. It's like a pitch-perfect game. I, it really is like a pitch-perfect game. And man, please play that shit. And text me about it whenever you do. <laughs> and email us about it, listeners. Yeah, please. Might just gotta check it out. Um, you know? Um, yeah. Yeah. Email us. Email us about some other stuff that you're into too. You know? We're we're we yeah. are on our indie game uh tip at the moment. Um so yeah. yeah. Email us at soundonlypod at gmail.com. Yes. Talk to um, me nicely or not at all. I'm I'm sticking a pin in stray. I'm sticking a pin in rap shit. Uh, reserve the right to revisit these subjects at a later date. Um, probably talking about a Beyonce album sooner or later. <laughs> uh, we'll see how that goes, man. We'll see how that goes. Listen, I'm worried. I'm, I'm gonna tell you one thing about the Beyonce album before we go out, which is like, I am kind of. Here's the thing. It's it's not hard to look around right now the past six months, the past year and look at Drake's numbers and look at Kendrick's numbers, look at Post Malone's numbers, look at The Weeknd's numbers, um, look at basically everybody but Lizzo's numbers and go, are the old millennial, are the millennial, you know what I mean? Like, are the older side of the millennial Zoomer divide artists sort of like not popping like they once were. And I really hope we don't have to have that conversation about Beyonce. I hope we can have a conversation that's just about the art, man. 
and the music and the textures of the music. <laughs> I just hope we don't have to have a conversation about, you know, the 50 cent conversation about chart position and all that stuff. But I'm just worried. Maybe Beyonce still got it <laughs> with the youth, but I, we're going to see. We're going to see, man. We're going to see what the power of Beyonce still is in Joe Biden's economy. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> I mean, yeah. like Because we, even the weekend is out here we, struggling, bro. One thing we will do is see. We will know? see. We, we, we will see. Um, that's all we got for this week. I'm Justin Charity. And I'm Micah Peters. Shouts out to our producer, Stefan Anderson. We'll see y'all next week.